Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors Drogheda, the Renault Dealer of the Year and most Google-reviewed dealership in Ireland. For award-winning customer service you can trust, visit us today. Blackstone Motors, drive with peace of mind. 041-983-1100. You're very welcome to Thursday Afternoons, Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. We're on Facebook Live from the off today. Our Helena Mullins is here in the studio and for a very special reason, and I'm going to tell you why. Yes, he's back with me on Late Lunch, and I'm delighted to say hello to him again. He joined me last time on the publication of his first book called Fake Away, Fast Food Made Healthy. He's a young, progressive, innovative chef who's a champion of good, wholesome food. Chef Adrian, and I'll use your surname, Martin, you are welcome back to Late Lunch. Thank you. Thanks, thanks for having me back. Thanks indeed. And you know why we're delighted to have you back? This fella said the last day he left here, God's a good while ago. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm going to bring you something, Jerry, next time I arrive on the show. And he has. It's lovely. And we've the tea ready. How's that coffee that I made for you a moment ago? It's really ago good. There? Yeah, you know, it's perfect amounts of milk. You know, it's really Did good. I, I get love, it spot on. I actually love loads of milk in my coffee, so I'm like, you know, really weak, weak and milky coffee. Imagine great. <laughs> Chef Adrian saying to me, I made a great coffee. That's no bigger compliment I could be paid. I won't tell you the truth. When I went into the kitchen, I made two teas because that's involuntary. I make tea for my producer and myself. And then I thought, oh, jeepers, no. And actually, I have another admission to make. I was putting cappuccino coffee instant into that cup. And Alicia said to me, Cherry, you'll kill the poor fella. <laughs> <laughs> so then I got it right third time round. So there you have you have your cup of coffee. Listen, you're very welcome. I want to ask you this: you survived the women and agriculture conference. Oh, yes? Lord, that was mental yesterday. Yeah, yeah, it was absolutely crazy. So yeah, I was down yesterday in Killarney, and we were there for two days actually. So we're setting up on Tuesday and there on Wednesday as well, and. The reaction I've got, I've never like stood in a room full of like 700 women and get up and talk. <laughs> like the crowd, like the, it, oh, it was absolutely incredible. Like I really, really enjoyed it. Like everyone was so warm and welcoming and like the farmers during were great. And we were up there literally with the, the CEO of uh, the National Dairy Council to kind of promote dairy, which tied in nicely because yeah. they're all farmers at the end of the day. Mm. So they're all coming from a farming background. So in the agricultural community with the girls, you are a gastronomic sex symbol, yes? Oh, yeah. <laughs> 
I'm not sure about that. Oh my good God. Holy God. 27 years of age. Look at the looks he has. I'm not going really look. red in the face now. Oh, he is, he's actually the colour of Helena's nearly uh, shirt. Oh, the colour of my mug, The yeah. colour of the mug as yeah. well. Yes. Oh my God. No, look, I mean that sincerely. Any one of them women would love to have you. You have all that it takes. Do you remember uh, years ago? One thing, it was one thing I was actually, they would say to me yesterday and I heard it more than once was... Oh, it's a pity now you have a girlfriend, have a lovely <laughs> daughter at home for you. <laughs> like, you see, oh look, wasn't I right? Wasn't yeah. I right? You see, years ago it used to be road frontage, but you can cook, you have the looks, you're young, you have everything going for looks. you. the looks, no, I'm not sure about that. They'll so. have you back next year. Oh, yeah, uh, hopefully, yeah, hopefully they'll have me back. Look, listen, it's such an incredible experience mm. here. Like, Nevin has done that for years. Yes. Like, he's been doing that now for years upon years, I can remember. Uh, when I was even working with him, he was doing it at that stage mm-hmm. as well. So, yeah, to get to do it this year, uh, I don't know, like, it's surreal, kind of, mm. to stand up there and go, oh, my God, I'm actually in this position now. So, yeah. Isn't it great? It's Isn't a pinch it great? kind of moment, yeah. Do you know, I wanted to just mention something specific from yesterday. I think it was yesterday. The bread. You, you were, you, you, were you baking bread? Or did you yeah, I made bread, yeah. Yeah, I made a lemon and thyme soda bread, yeah. What do you think? My God, I'm impressed by that. But here's the other thing. I know, and we're going to talk about it in a moment, you are an ambassador for good food with young people and mm-hmm. you travel around the schools and you, you, you're doing a great job, may I say. But the, <laughs> bake, the baking of bread, it, it really is quite straightforward, isn't it? Yeah, well, the, the idea of, I suppose, you know, like, when I do a demo, say if I'm going to a school or say I'm doing a demo, what I love to make is bread because, number one, it's simple. It requires very few ingredients. It's kind of cheap to make, but also it's a life skill that you can kind of pass on to people. Mm. So... Like, in Ireland, we're traditionally known for our brown breads and soda breads, which are quite simple, and you just have to mix everything together. So we'll show those first, and then we go a little bit more technical with the with the yeast bread. Mm. So we'll, we'll move on to the next stage. Like, it's a very simple recipe to follow. Like, you can just rhyme it off the top of your head. Listen, rhyme recipes off the top of my head, uh, like, all the time. Like, all it requires is 500 grams of strong flour, one seven gram sachet of yeast, two pinches of salt, two pinches of sugar, and three hundred and twenty five mils of lukewarm water. That's how you make a loaf of bread. Literally. End of story. End of story. So you mix all together. If you've one of those, you probably have one of those very fancy mixers at home. I know by you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know the uh, the Kenwood chefs. So yes. the stand mixers. So bung all that into the stand mixer. Put it on a medium with your dough hook on a medium speed with dough hook on, and let it and walk away and come back five minutes later. Right, cover it and cling them. Leave it for an hour and then just shape it. Or knock out the air first, knock back the dough base. So you shape it, uh, place it into your tin and bake it, and then you have a loaf. Of How bread. long? Uh, it normally takes the guts of 30, 35 minutes. Now, when you're baking yeast bread, you need to go a higher temperature. So normally people would say when you're baking soda breads and stuff, you go 180. So for a yeast bread, you need a higher temperature, such as 200, 220, to get that crust. And it gives you the sponginess. You know when you go into the yeah, shop and squeeze yeah, the yeah, sliced yeah. pan, yeah. you're looking for the spongy mm. texture. So that's what gives but it. But there's nothing like making it at home. You're right, I do have that mix-up. But they'll tell you here, Louise will tell you, I'm Gadget <laughs> Man. I have that many gadgets for the kitchen, Adrian. Yeah. But I want to make a confession to you today they know it anyway but i'm going to tell you i bought a bread maker oh just stop you don't need one 
You not really don't need one at all. Well, obviously, well, I, I have never used one, so I don't think you need one, well, though. <laughs> like, well, well, I can <laughs> tell you, Adrian, I really haven't used one either because I've used it twice in four years. Twice in four years? Yes. And how does it work? I don't even know how it works. <laughs> you do what you do. You mix it up and fire it into a little tin in the middle and press a button and a programme cooks it for different types of breads and that. Now, I have to say, the twice I used it, the bread was very nice. Yeah. But it's a bit of a dud now. Two times in four years ain't a whole lot, is it? Yeah, yeah. I suppose, like, I think it's about putting it into a little routine for yourself. Yes. Like, if you have ten minutes spare a day... That's enough time to bake bread. Okay. You know? So, like, I mean... Just, Even without a bread maker. You yeah. don't need a bread maker. A, a tip bake. for you is actually... Because you know the way sourdough was very mm. kind of trendy. Every cafe you go to these days, yes. you have sourdough, avocado, smoked salmon on, on sourdough bread, basically. So, um, that recipe that I said to you there, uh, how you make a cheat sourdough out of it is you... When it's proving, so when you have to leave bread to prove, normally we say leave it to prove for an hour. Yeah. But it's kind of like a chicken. The longer you leave it, so say, for instance, if you wanted to leave it for two hours, it's like marinating a chicken, basically. The longer you leave it, the better flavour it gets. So if you leave such a this bread in the fridge overnight, mm. you get the sour texture, you okay. get the sour flavour, which resembles sourdough. So it's like a little cheat for you as well. So you can do it, like, say the night before, yeah. say you have nothing on, say you're just about to go to bed, you have ten minutes to spare, right? Let's throw on those ingredients, mix it, cover it in cling film, throw it into the fridge, come back the next day when you're ready to bake, literally just shape it, place it into a tin and bake it. And, then and away you go. Away you go. It's and as it's simple quick. as that. Yeah, it's simple. Uh, one bread maker for sale, going cheap. <laughs> exactly, yeah. 1850 <laughs> Call the number now after this quick lesson from be Chef sure Adrian. Like man. <laughs> 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 I'm the antithesis of a cabin man, Very they'll tell you. I can assure you that. I, I'll tell you one thing I am. I'm salivating here. Will you take that thing out of the bowl there and give me a taste of it quick? Right. Oh, the tea and the coffee will be gone cold. Right. So this is... All right, I'm taking out of the cling film here. This is uh, what we would call a chocolate bomb. So a chocolate bomb. So Facebook Live, Facebook Live. Look at the chocolate bomb so on Facebook Live. Join us. this for, like, say, a birthday party or something Ooh. like that. So as well, as you can see, there's only half of it left because they, they... He ate the other half himself on the no, way in I here. Actually didn't. No, he I did. Didn't. He don't mind him. He ate the so, other half himself coming in here. How you do this is you, you literally line your bowl with cling film. So yeah. oil your bowl, line it with cling film, and then what we do is we slice up some Swiss roll. Mm. And then we line the Swiss roll all around the edges of the bowl. Then okay. what I do is I make eaten mess. So you know eaten mess is just basically oh. like um, uh, meringue, oh. you've raspberry coolie, you've raspberries, you've fresh cream, <laughs> vanilla, the whole works. Have a try oh, of that. You're there. You Are you going to have some yourself? I will, yeah. I'm going to have this Well, part. you've had half. That's you might have. Half there. You might <laughs> 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 no, I'm going to slice some. Do you want some as well? Yeah. Is here. Oh, you, you have to look after Helene as well. Yeah, absolutely. You Let's have a taste of this. So this is eaten Boom. mess in the middle, surrounded by the here. Swiss roll. Okay. So, yeah, exactly. And you freeze it. Mm-hmm. You freeze it, and then mm-hmm. you, you tip it out, and then you get to the perfect dome mm-hmm. shape. <laughs> Are they real now or are they fake? I, mm. I can't fake anything. That's amazing. <laughs> Don't read that into that now. It's mm. half one in the afternoon. We leave that other thing for later at night. I can't fake anything. Uh, I love that. That's oh, good. It's absolutely gorgeous. Oh my God almighty. If you have a birthday party or something, it's so simple to throw together. Mm. Literally. It doesn't require a whole pile of prep and work, you know? Oh, and you know, it's just the coolness there. Oh, yeah, it's so good, isn't it? And you know what I love the contrast? 
a drop of tea with it. You have a coffee there. I have a cup of tea. Oh, Lord. Mm. We're going very quiet here. Very quiet. That's a good sign, actually. It's a brilliant sign. And they're out there saying, for the name of God, will you just move on and start talking? You're driving us all mad. <laughs> He's looking into the other. Yeah, they'll get some. <laughs> no, here, stay with me. Don't mind them for a minute. You can, oh, look, sorry. At, you can look after them on the break. Hold on a minute. We'll get tucked more into this. But look, I, I was just looking at what you've been doing lately, of course. I want you to tell me about something else that caught my eye. Mm-hmm. Um, where have I got here? Chicken lettuce cups. Oh, yeah. Yeah, will you tell me about them? They look very simple because I have lots of lovely lettuce in my garden at the minute growing. Lovely. Uh, I have a. Uh, it's it's butterhead lettuce I have, not the iceberg. You know the lovely... Yeah, the butterhead's nice yeah, and sweet. It's soft and yeah, sweet. sweet. Yeah, it's lovely. So what about this? How do I get this chicken sorted for these lettuce cups I have? <laughs> so I suppose uh, the recipe that you're, uh, I suppose, coming about is actually uh, a recipe that I've done with Manor Farm. So it became, okay. it became like, a, I suppose I started working with Manor Farm just this year. So they're, they're known for being like Cavan's chicken company, basically. Yeah. Um, and they supply like all the supermarkets and stuff. So mm. I grew up literally in Kingscourt, that's where I was born. In. And uh, five minutes down the road was the factory. So all my family members, aunts, uncles, kind of cousins, uh, relatives, all worked in this place in Shercock and Cabin, yeah. which was Manor Farms uh, factory. So I just found that I was like kind of like a match made in heaven to be able to work with them. Yes. So we're working together now for the last year and it's just really worked out nicely. We've done different events together Mm. and stuff. So one part of the work that we do together is like we create recipes with the products. So this this is one one of them. This one here is the um, the chicken mince. Yeah. So the chicken mince sounds quite unusual, but what it is is actually just Irish breasts, chicken breasts. Yeah. And what they've done is just mince. Okay. So think of the recipes you can make. Sometimes people kind of think, oh, chicken mince, a bit unusual. Mm. But first thing that comes to my mind is recipes. So it's like burgers, um, tacos. um, What else do you make? Like the lettuce cups here. Um, There's there's like a list long. Can I tell you, I love chicken. I have to say, I'm a yeah. big fan of chicken. I eat an awful lot of it. So you're struggling for the recipes, but I know them, Adrian. <laughs> your chicken tikka, your salt and chilli chicken. Yeah, exactly, yeah. You know, all those type of yeah, recipes. Yeah, there's, well. there's a lot there. But what about that mince that you put into that so, lettuce cup? What do I do with it? How do I prepare it? So what you do is, this. the thing about beef mince is it takes the guts of 20 minutes before the fat evaporates for it to get colour, to get flavour into it, and then for you to kind of cook it down. So the idea of the chicken mince is that it cooks in the guts of eight to 10 minutes in a nice hot frying pan so you fry it off you get a nice colour on it chicken always gets a really nice colour you leave it off the pan and then you create a sauce so it's kind of Asian inspired so in this sauce there's hoisin sauce there's rice wine vinegar not white wine vinegar sub in a rice wine because it's nice and acidic and uh, we have then some fresh ginger garlic uh, I also add in then these things that are called water chestnuts. Oh, do I know them? I love them. They're really crunchy. <laughs> They're I had them crunchy. in a curry last night. Absolutely. So yeah, when you have when you go to like say a, a restaurant and you're wondering what's in that maslam curry, that Thai green curry, the crunchy bit, people mistake it for crunchy potatoes. They think it's crunchy potatoes. <laughs> those are water chestnuts. So those add a lovely crunch to the mince. And then what you do is you get that filling. So you mix the sauce together. You mix it back in with the mince. You cook it through, and then you fill the lettuce cups with it. And it's kind of like a nice little canopy or even like if you're having even for dinner actually it's a nice idea because it's filling yeah and it's delicious and i think it's a, it's a versatile product to use 
chicken mm. mince. Like you have the endless amount of recipes there. Mm. It's a nice one. So if you're, what I'm going to say to people is, if you're looking for it, because we're doing, like, we're in the middle of a campaign with it at the moment. You probably hear me on radio ads at the moment. My voice, would, we uh, do, would, mm, in the middle of it. <laughs> the amount of people that have sent me voice messages about that is incredible. To be honest, slagging <laughs> me off. But anyway, um, so yeah, in the middle of it, if you can't get it in your local supermarket, so it'll be in Super Value, Duns, um, in Tesco as well. So if you can't get it, do ask them because uh, what what'll happen is they'll, they'll uh, supply the supermarket within yeah. a couple of days okay. for you. So. Okay, it's lovely. Yeah. It just caught my eye, and it's one yeah. I, I specifically wanted to mention to you today. <laughs> no <laughs> it's, it's great. No, you were here last time for the book I mentioned. Yeah, there is another book on the way, isn't mm-hmm. there? When will it be? It'll be beyond the turn of the year. Will it mm. into next year? Yeah, unfortunately, just with um, I suppose time limits and restrictions and everything. I started it in February. Uh, we got the photographs taken during the summer, but just to do with time constrictions and I suppose all the work I'm doing as well. Like I'm been on the road for the last ten weeks, so I actually haven't. I've had one day off. Each week, I haven't had two in a row yet. So I can't wait for my next two days <laughs> off in a row. So uh, it just with work and everything, yes. and bookings and everything, it's, it's really hard to do. Yeah, yeah, it's a great complaint. We well, understand. That. So it's early next year. Yeah, yeah. spring of twenty nineteen. It's going to be available. Now you were coming to me today to talk about a very special event, uh, a fine dining oh, uh, yes. demonstration. <laughs> uh, you are involved. Oh, it's not a demo. Yeah, it's a night. In uh, yeah, it's uh, it's sold out though, is it? Yeah, it's uh, it literally went in twenty minutes. Yeah, yeah. I, I told you what you are to those women at the conference <laughs> yesterday. More than those women, twenty minutes it's gone because they thought they'd need to give a bit of a push. Yeah. Not at all. Yeah. So they. Yeah, I, I actually thought that like doing such a thing. So what I'm doing is I'm taking over the Satanta restaurant in the Sleeve Russell Hotel. So it's five minutes away from Bombay where I'm from. Yeah. And uh, it's a fabulous hotel. Like yeah, it's mo- one of the most well-known hotels in Ireland. Uh, Absolutely. Um, and what they wanted to do was a little collaboration with myself. So for the night, uh, we're going in and uh, I'm design- I've designed a brand new menu for okay. the restaurant. Uh, we're dressing up the whole dining room completely differently. I've got a musician coming in. He's going to be singing on the night. Um, it's kind of just a night for people to come in. And, you know, the question I get asked all the time is, where can we try your food or where can we eat your food? So this is an opportunity for people to kind of come and try uh, my, from my experience of food and from what I know and everything as well. And going back to my roots, so fine dining is completely what I trained in. Mm. Uh, home cooking is kind of a side to uh, food that I do love, but, I mean, fine dining, when I look at it, it's that thing that really... Uh, I suppose you know it's like art for me so yeah. it's kind of like my art and mm. it really makes me kind of happy I suppose how to describe it and so there you are you thought Westlife tickets were like chicken's teeth this morning <laughs> Chef yeah. Adrian's tickets beat them by a mile he's staying with us on late lunch Thank when we're you. gone I'm going to finish off this bomb I promise we, we I go. promise you we're on Facebook live if you'd like to join us we're having great fun with Chef Adrian on late lunch this Thursday afternoon Chef Adrian's a man of his word he told me last time he'd bring me something and look at this I'm <laughs> nibbling away here as we go along he's uh, with us on late lunch this afternoon uh, question there for you if you don't have a mixer for you know you were mentioned about mincing up things or that I have to tell you folks those mixers are you can buy them in those uh, German retailers or that as well don't they have them they're not, they don't yeah. cost a fortune do they yeah they're not a fortune now if you don't want to buy a mixer you can just use literally your hands. Okay. Uh, it's a little bit of elbow grease. And by the way, it's it's actually one of those things that's very good for your mind. It's kind of like uh, therapeutic and it's very good for your actually It's like gardening. Life. I love yeah, it's gardening. Kind of like gardening. When yeah, you're in exactly. the soil. 
When yeah. you're squeezing that dough. Yeah, yeah, basically. So when you're kneading it, you just use the heel of your hand and basically what you do is you think of a person you don't like. Yeah. And that's the scene you go for it. Mm. And that's mm. the best way of kind of describing it to you. Can I ask you something? I read a very interesting article in The Independent, I think it was earlier this year, about you. And you were talking about when you were working your way up through your career. And yeah. you came across <coughs> a bully. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I did, yeah. Um, it, I, I love... Um, so one of the things I love was training as a chef, working in restaurants. I love, I used to love service as well. So service is kind of the time where you're serving out all the food to say a hundred people a night or something like that. So I used to absolutely love the madness of it, and that's kind of the reason why I got into the job itself. I got really put off by uh, an experience I had in a restaurant. And um, I suppose it's just the, the hours were very long. So we used to work Tuesday to Sunday, firstly, which I never minded about. Like, cause listen, it's I wanted to train as a chef. It's an intensive training. It's long hours. It's long hours on your feet and everything. So we used to start at nine o'clock in the morning. You were finished at one in the morning the following day. So you were, you know, so the, the um, yeah, the intensive hours were were one thing that's tough but to have a chef standing beside you so it's a very very small kitchen it's the size of this room actually and there's three of us in it um, and to have a chef standing beside you and constantly shout abuse and curse at you and bully you basically while you're there even if you're doing a good job is very tough to listen to so I was there for about eight months to a year to go to that and listen to this every day Constantly, now, Put, putting you moment, down, criticizing yeah, well, you, just cursing at you, or just shouting for the way you look, or for whatever it is about yourself. It's just, it's really like if you did a. Ma- I remember one. The reason why I left it there, I left it was I did an, a nice dessert. We had a wedding on, did a nice dessert for the wedding, had it all prepped and everything, and it was perfectly done. And like I'm a complete perfectionist when it comes to food, and um, I can remember I'm just like sabotaging the dessert basically on purpose so I'd have to go and make it again you know so it's kind of things like that like other things like answering such a chef as like we chef you know and then when you do answer him properly the way he wants he tells you to go to the toilet it's kind of psychological things like that that you can't really listen to you know so I I I had enough of it to be honest with you and I said from that experience well when I left I, I went home to Cavan I took two three months off work um, you know, just for headspace and for my own mental health and everything like that. So it just wasn't right after it. You, you wouldn't be right. I looked like as pale as a ghost coming out of it. I looked sick. Um, I looked very skinny, you know. I had no way. And we weren't eating at all, basically, as well. Um, so, yeah, I didn't feel good after it at all. So I took that amount of time off. And then after that experience, I kind of said to myself, listen, um, I'm never going to work for anyone ever again. And that was kind of my motive to go out there and... Uh, instead of changing career, which I could have done, uh, so that was kind of an option I was thinking about doing, was actually never to work as a chef ever again. I decided to continue on the food, but just go a different route. And I just looked at different routes, which other people have done, and said, listen, why not try that one and see how we get on? And that's supposed my motive from the the start, you know? So that's kind of how we got going. That into could easily have put a... 
a less strong person off for life. You know, yeah. that, that could have ended you. Yeah, well, I think my, my dad was always the, the the big believer in behind all of us as kids. He's like that with our whole family. Our, my brilliant parents, like, you know, only mm. for them, like... And, like, if we didn't have that support behind us, I would have just curled up into a ball and done nothing yes. with myself, you know? So, like, to have your parents, like, there and say... My dad was always that thing of, if someone treats you like that, use that as a motivation to keep you going and, and you, you certainly yeah. have yeah. I, I really admire you and, yeah. and that's a message you're uh, talking about and telling today that mm. everybody should listen to never tolerate a bully never ever ever yeah. well it's it's a difficult thing to even talk about yes. you know it's, it's yeah. um, like I've only started talking about it this year mm. like it's a long time ago now it's mm. about five four years ago I think it's about four years ago yeah. now. like it is a difficult thing to talk about I can really only talk about it openly now yes and suppose when I'm in the media people ask me questions people want to know what, what yeah. your experiences are I suppose that's why I talk about yes, it yes good man know. yourself and well yeah. done to you and you're a better man for it may oh, I well, say listen if anyone out there is listening or they're, they have had similar experiences um, you know the, like what I'd say to you is do talk to people around you ask for advice um, you know like don't put up with someone like that at all mm. there's way more better uh, choices out there for you it's kind of the reason why there's such a shortage of chefs uh, in this country as well is because of the treatment that they're treating young fellas. Young yeah. fellas are actually are a lot more braver than they are than I was when I was growing yes. growing up as well. I used to put up with it. Young fellas don't put up with it anymore, and they won't go into the career at all. So that's the reason why there's. Do a you shortage. still want this song? Yeah, we do. Finish. Yeah, 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 I do. Now, yeah. now we haven't got the one you were looking for, but we have a Westlife song. Definitely. Listen, the reason for the Westlife song, though, I have to explain it. Go is on. Fiona, my girlfriend, is the biggest Westlife fan ever. Okay. So she is, right? And uh, I got her tickets there on Tuesday. I think she's seen them like 10 times in concert, so I said I have to play You could see them 10 songs. Yeah. Fiona, what's her second name? Uh, Coin. Fiona Coin. Fiona Coin. From your bow, this is for <laughs> you this bow. afternoon. Come back again soon, will you? I will, of I course. Just love no, you. it's always a pleasure to chat to Jerry. Thank you for having um, me. This is for Fiona Westlife. <laughs> Ain't that just a kick in the head? See you soon, Adrian. How lucky can one guy be? I kissed her and she kissed me. Like the fellow once said, ain't that a kick in the head? The room was completely black. I hugged her and she hugged back. Like the sailor said, quote, ain't that a hole in a bowl? My head keeps spinning. I go to sleep, I keep grinning. If this is just the beginning, my life is gonna be beautiful. I've sunshine enough to spread. It's just like the fellow said. And be quick, hey, love a kick in the The fellow once said, ain't that a kick in the head? Like the sailor said, quote, ain't that a hole in a bowl? My head keeps spinning, 
I go to sleep, I keep grinning. If this is just the beginning, my life is gonna be beautiful. She's telling me we'll be wet. She's picked out a king size bed. I couldn't feel any better, or I'd be sick. Tell me quick. Have a kick. Tell me quick, ain't love a kick in the head. You do know, don't you, that there's much more to libraries than books nowadays, and how services are provided is also in transition. So let's shh. For the next while, I'm only codding. Yes, she's back. I love when she drops in to have a chat with us on the show. She's Senior Executive Librarian at Loud County Library, Amanda Brannigan. It's really good to see you again. Hello. Thanks for having me. Not at all. You're very welcome to the show. That point I made there about uh, the way services being provided in transition, the Minister announced earlier this year huge funding for libraries Mm -hmm. under the banner of Information and Communications Technology. What's happening? Um, again, I suppose it's just another string to our bow and another um, avenue that we're following. We're going to uh, create new digital learning centres in all our branches and really allow libraries become enablers of digital services. So I suppose in plain English, we're doing a complete upgrade um, in all our IT services that we're providing. I mean, obviously, libraries, the strategic focus in libraries always has been literacy. Mm. Um, but more and more digital literacy and numeracy and computer literacy um, is becoming much more to the fore. So obviously we have to keep up with users' expectations and keep up with the times in terms of Mm. uh, IT hardware. So this funding now has come at a a marvellous time and we're so grateful to the department for it. So basically we're going to be rolling out a whole new suite of hardware, um, IT hardware into all our branches and software. So that's going to be everything from PCs, gaming laptops, gaming consoles, um, iMacs, iPads, tablets, you name it, um, for public and staff use. So across the board, you're going to see all this spanking new technology and software behind it that, again, is moving with the times. Yeah, definitely. You know, that tying back into the the primary ethos of the library, of course, books was its, its sole being at one stage, but not anymore. Does that, you know, tie in with that? Well, it, as I was saying, literacy is not just reading. Yeah. You know, I mean, obviously, we we 100% uh, are behind literacy and the importance of literacy. And uh, as I've said numerous times here, reading is so important from the youngest child, you know, to, to love and instill um, or to instill a love of reading is so important. But on the other hand, numeracy and digital literacy is just as important nowadays. Okay. So um, this new hardware and software and the funding will allow us to roll out a whole new programme in libraries. And that's what we hope to do from the end of this year and, and early 2019, where we will have things like um, gaming clubs, um, classes for the young and the old in all types of technology and creative skills. And it's really to engage with uh, some non-users of the library and maybe people that have a fear of technology, particularly older people, you know, and get them in. And again, as I've always keep saying, harp on, everything is free. Yeah, and that's So is all the our thing. services and all our programmes um, and events are all free. There's no joining on fee for libraries no. anymore. You no. don't have to pay that at all. No. You just go in, register and yeah. away you go. Yeah, and we don't even, um, we got rid of registration cards. 
so you don't even have to sign anything anymore. So it's just it's all about removing barriers for people, and um, you know, just I mean, we are at, we see ourselves as central to the community and at the centre of community, and we're a free service and open and inclusive for all. Okay, so this is a, a big initiative that you will see in the libraries in County Louth, and of course we have County Mead beside us. The same is happening there. The same investment yeah. is going in there. Yes, but you're exactly. going to see big changes coming yeah. over the next few months and into next year as well, and Definitely. at the cutting edge of technology tied in with what they do. Now, you have a festival of history coming up from next Tuesday, the yeah. 30th of October. Next week, uh, it starts and it runs all next week. What is this about? Um, again, we were lucky enough to get some funding from uh, the Decade of Centenaries and Commemorations Unit in the Department of Culture, Heritage and the Gale Talked. Um Obviously, we're right in the middle of the Decade of Commemorations, which runs from uh, 2016 right up to uh, 2022. Yeah. Um, and um, obviously, we're celebrating... Uh, some of the most eventful parts in Irish history, everything from Home Rule, World War One, the Easter Rising, right up to um, the foundation of the Free State. So as such, um, we decided to put together a festival of history. Um, we engaged a facilitator to help us with that. So every day next week, or, or in each of the five branches, we have different talks going on. Um, again, open to the public and free. And we have... Um, brought together historians from all across the country um, who are, you know, really highly thought of in their field and very varying topics, but something for everyone. So if yes. you have any kind of an interest in and you know, you know what I see time. looking at what's on, and I've been through them, and, and, and they're brilliant. And I congratulate you on the lineup you have and the remit you've uh, covered with it, because we're talking about at a time when World War One was coming to an end, and Ireland had a huge part to play in that at the time. You had the struggle here at home on the Republican side, and also the Unionist issue is is covered in these talks. So it's all encompassing, really. Yeah. And the importance of women, I suppose, yes, in history at the time as well. Yes, that's the other thing. Sorry, Amanda, I beg your pardon. I need a slap for that one. Of course, a big, big thing. Yeah. You know, it's 100 years since women uh, got the vote oh. as well. You know, so that's in there also. Yeah. yeah. So it's really, we've, um, every day next week, so um, starting off, I'll just go through them really quickly. Next Tuesday evening in Drogheda at six o'clock, we have two talks, um, milit- Military Radicalism and Female Participation in IRA Intelligence and Women's Lives in 1918. And then at the same time in Dunlear Library, um, we have a talk on 1918 and the crisis of unionism. Yes. Uh, Thursday evening, the 1st of November in Dundalk, we have two talks, the Irish Medical Profession on the First World War and Ireland and the end of the First World War. Um, Friday the 2nd in Carlingford Library, we have um, examining women's enfranchisement from 1918 to the Free State. And then Saturday afternoon in RD Library, we have Irish provincial newspapers and then uh, the fall of the Irish Mar- Parliamentary Party. Now, details on all the events um, are on our website. Okay. And if you ring any of the branches, and again, they're all free. They're all free, and it's brilliant. And all branches are involved yeah. here of Loud Libraries yeah. as well. I mean, that's what we always try and do. Um, I suppose sometimes, you know, a lot of emphasis can be put on our full time libraries, mm. Dundalk, Drogheda, and RD. But Dunier and Carlingford, um, you know, we try and, and even though they're uh, smaller part time libraries, yes. but we try and include events um, and 
you know, obviously all the, in, talking about the um, digital learning and the digital hubs, obviously they'll be getting uh, new hardware and software okay. as well. Okay, an important part. of uh, It's all as comes to one with the five making up the one wonderful service across the county. Now you're dipping your toe in the water in the science sphere yes. this year. When is that happening and why are you doing this? Um, again, I suppose... Uh, it's it's tied into the the whole digital lis- literacy program and um there's a government focus at the moment well not at the moment ongoing on making Ireland a leader in STEM education mm. STEM and STEAM being science technology engineering arts and maths yeah. by 2026 and um much more of the school curricula both in primary schools and secondary schools is around STEAM and STEM learning mm. everything from digital coding to all aspects of science maths and engineering I mean, we try and underpin the school curriculum in as much as we can in terms of libraries, educational programming. So kind of by going down the road of STEAM, it's not something we ever did before. So we decided to go to SFI, Science Foundation Ireland, and apply for funding. Um, We were lucky enough to get it and we decided to roll out uh, a programme to coincide with their science festival. Um, Science Foundation Ireland run a science festival every year in various institutions um, all around the country. So uh, we decided we'd start off small. So instead of having a week, we're having a fortnight. So that's... (laughs) Small? Small. Is that what you call small? I know. I'm just looking at the the programme of events that you brought to me here today that's sitting in front of me. And my, oh my, you have such (laughs) a variation uh, of... uh, uh, lectures and talks and everything on. A lot of these are booked already, yes. Well, we have, um, th- w- when we decided uh, to plan it, we've over 50 events, as you say. Mm. We have a primary schools programme, a secondary schools programme, and then a general programme, both yes. for adults and children. Um, we literally only launched it the other day. The primary schools programme is booked out already. I mean, the unfortunate side of it is, I suppose, we have 75 primary schools in County Louth. Yeah. We can't cater for mm. everyone. So it is... Um, our our aim is, as I said, start small this year and it's something that we hope to build on year on year. So hopefully every school will have a chance to come to the library over the next few years to avail of okay. um, some of these workshops. Look at some of the some of the topics here, like dementia, Alzheimer's and neuroscience is one such event. I see cervical cancer here also mentioned in it. My God, robotics. You name it, there's such a broad remit, isn't there? We've been very lucky in that we've been able to engage really highly skilled facilitators um, as as well as local industries that we've been collaborating with on this. Um, We've had great help from the DKIT. They have a really big outreach department in, and we're getting lecturers from their School of Engineering, their School Mm. of Science to do talks for us. Um, Through the Science Foundation Ireland, we've been able to get uh, facilitators from Trinity College and DCU. Uh, They also have science research centres. And then local industries. We have talks um, here in Drogheda Library. We have a talk from the local Listoke Gin Company. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, We have uh, Foodie, who um, they're doing a talk on kind of the science behind food labelling, which is obviously huge at the moment. Huge. Um, we have the Great Northern Larder in Dundalk are doing a talk on fermentation. Mm. They're kind of the general... Yeah, just, adults, just a feel for what's happening there. So the primary school is gone, secondary school, you're working we away? We some places. Okay. We have a really good talk um, that I'd love to highlight. For any um, student considering maybe STEAM as a career choice or a, a college choice in terms of science, technology, engineering, computing, we have a, a 
panel talk on a day in the life of a STEM professional. So basically we've six professionals in that field coming to do a panel talk in Dundalk on Thursday the 8th of November at 6pm. So that would be really relevant for students, parents and teachers, you know, just to get a, a flavour of where, you know, how they got into the field that yes. they're in, what they studied at college, do's and don'ts mm. and advice. How do you get onto that? How do you book a place on that? Just ring any of our branches, but particularly that, that particular event is in Dundalk. Ring the branch um, to book a place or as, just turn up. Okay, so this information is all available from the five libraries as we speak. You yeah. can go in there, see what's on. The programmes are available there. And if something interests you, make an inquiry about it. Do, That's what exactly. you're saying. And it's all, the link to the brochure is on our website, loudcoco.ie. Okay. And uh, we have a really good social media presence as well and uh, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. They're all over the place, crawling <laughs> over social media, loudcoco.ie. That's the one that's there at this minute in time if you want to check it out. Stay with us on Late Lunch. Librarian Amanda Brannigan is with us and we're going to talk more after the break. We're in the library with Amanda Brannigan this afternoon, a very different type of library nowadays, as you're hearing. Just before we finish off on the Loud Science Festival, by the way, it runs from the 6th to the 17th of November. You just wanted to mention coding. Now, that's a big thing with youngsters as well today. It is. And and again, um, the importance of coding has been highlighted in uh, improving digital literacy and numeracy skills. Um, as part of the primary programme, we have a number of coding workshops, but then we have a public workshop on Scratch, um, which is... Um, a fun programming language for children. Mm. The kids know. I do more know about it. it. Yeah. I do know of it. Um, I don't know it, but I know of it. It yeah, allows yeah. children to create their own animation or yeah. game. So we've uh, a free um, open event for children on Saturday, the seventeenth of November at two p.m. in Dundalk Library. So again, all, there are, as I said, there's over fifty events, and a lot of them are um, open to the public. So. Just log on to our webpage, which again is like coco.ie or any of the social media. Um, yes, or drop in. Or drop in or give a ring. And um, everything is all there. All the information is yeah. there. Let's talk in general terms um, about about the library. And I know last time you were here, and I thought it was fantastic, and I want to ask you how it's working. This National Library Catalogue, where you said to me, you can walk into any of your libraries and actually access books anywhere in Ireland, or information. Is that working well? 12 million books. So... We, you, if you say it, you won't get it for me, we will get it for you. 12, you know, 12 million. million. Yeah. So from any of any branch in County Louds, you have access to 12 million books. Isn't that wonderful? For free, folks. For free. Isn't for free. it brilliant? Now, here's the question. Our Louise, she's very curious. You know that? Oh. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. 
Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Oh, she's really curious. I'm not joking you. She said, Jerry, will you make sure you ask Amanda this one when she's in? What happens? I'm going to start crying. To old books when they can't be loaned out anymore. Well, obviously, uh, you know, books have a life cycle along with everything else. And uh, in somewhere like a library, the, the books don't last that long if they're being very well used and you know, well thumbed through children's particularly children's books. books I was say particularly that. children's yeah, yeah. books have a very short lifespan. So obviously, you know, if, if a book is what we call worn out, um, we send it to, to recycling or anything that is can still be used. We would donate. Um, we would donate a lot of our particularly children's books. Uh, we would use it in our own schools library service, or we would donate it to schools libraries. We've also sent um, books abroad to Bosnia and African countries with charities, um, and then. In terms of our adult books, um, you know, anything that has to be recycled is recycled. But then uh, we would often donate to the likes of uh, retirement homes, yes. hospitals, that kind brilliant, of thing. Brilliant. So there you have so it. They always find a good I think home. she's satisfied with that they answer. Find a good yeah, home. I got the thumbs up from, from <laughs> Studio One there. Um, microfilm or microfish, another one that, that wonderful lady came up with this morning. Is that part and parcel or a big part of your services? Well, it would for the local papers. So the likes of the Dundalk and Drogheda papers, Drogheda Independent, uh, the Argus, the Democrat would all be, um, we bind them at the end of every year, obviously the hard copies. We keep the hard copies and then we also um, get them onto microfilm. So they are kept. So, I mean, you go into the reference library sections of any of the libraries and there's always people on the microfilm readers, always. So that could be anyone from... You know, maybe a local sports person who's researching their local football team. I mean, there's constantly every year there's so many mm. books on local football teams or often um, people looking back on old obituaries or photographs or we'd often get, you know, people coming in to print um, the front page of the Democrat from the year someone was born if they were having a big birthday. Ah, yes. That's a great, particularly people looking at show bands or oh, what was on in some of the big yes. dancing halls on Mm. That day. So you have this in. now on microfilm uh, going well. Right back. Right back. So, yeah. well, and, and each year, do you now make sure that yeah. the current editions are all put up there? Yes. Yeah. Yes. We would buy them then on microfilm once the year is Okay. Passed. So that, yeah. that is there. Yeah. Do you ever come across newspapers where there's pieces missing going <laughs> back? You know, this job was done, and when you went to a newspaper, somebody removed an article <laughs> or a page. <laughs> or a photograph oh, frequently. Frequently. I don't think it happens as much as it used to um, because I suppose people are looking at the um, probably the microfilm it's easier and then if you want to copy from a microfilm you can you know you can print the page so not, not oh, done oh, as much only to you what I confess <laughs> here today but I am going to make a confession just because it's you Amanda many moons ago I was involved in producing a 50 year anniversary book for the Drogheda Anglers and 
the local Drogheda Independent offices, we went in looking to see what we could get from the formation of the club, which was back, I think, in 1938 or something. So we were shown up to an old, and this is years ago, so I'm not liable to be prosecuted on this. So we went into the room and there was papers everywhere and there were in bundles and there was a leak in the roof. And anyway, we did get some very good stuff, but I have to confess... I removed a few little pieces from the newspapers for research Library purposes. Lifetime, lifetime ban. You probably hate people like <laughs> I, me, do yes, you? Yes, I'd never do it again. <laughs> lifetime you know, ban. Before, <laughs> when we only had the phone and we didn't have computers or anything like that. It's way, way back. But anyway, that's a, a little aside. <laughs> um, what, what about, uh, you know, the, the whole thing? You know, I did say it at the start there. Is it noisier in libraries today? It is. It is. <laughs> There's no this shh. No. no. I mean, we. It, it's hard to balance sometimes. Obviously, with as you can see, with so many many events on, and uh, we've different groups coming in all the time in different clubs, and we've parent and toddler groups and baby book clubs, which really have taken off and are a huge success. But you also have to um, try and. Uh, welcome people that are coming for a bit of quiet and studiers and uh, yes. so we do try and still try to keep a little bit of quiet space. It's not always easy um, particularly during festival times and things like that but um, you know, we do try and, and help everyone yes, and, I understand. and create a space and, for everyone. And of course you must have a broad church of visitors from the very young to the senior members yeah. as well so there's quite a range of people coming there all the time using it. There is and, and even people just passing through because they know I suppose libraries can be kind of a go-to place where as I often say we're a travel agency we're a counselling service we're a doctor's surgery you know we're Have you people that you'd love to say will you please (laughs) not come back tomorrow did you ever no you don't have to say it did you ever feel like that to say are there people look at are there people who are absolute nuisances that never leave you alone I suppose it's it's a public service, so you know, oh, you're, you're, dealing, you're, you're dealing you're with all, all members I of love the public. You. Answer that brilliantly. I hear what you're saying. I am not going to push you on that one. Um, before you go, I have to ask you because books is your life. The library. I know you absolutely have a passion for what you do, as do all the people who work in the libraries. I want to say it to about them all today. I know, though. and I, I really should say that particularly we are so busy this year with events and everything and and I have to really really acknowledge the hard work of the library staff in County Loud because they've you know they come behind all of our incentives and sometimes you know I'd say they dread to see me coming and I'm sending emails to beat the band and you know but um along with the you know the frontline staff who are dealing with customers mm. every day of the week in the background we're trying to do all these uh, push out all these new initiatives and, and obviously we need the support of both of the library staff and obviously the county council staff and our CE and all the councillors so I really have to acknowledge no, all of those. D- it's a wonderful job and, and they're to be congratulated. Before you go I know you read yourself as well. Give us I a try. book. Come on as a librarian. How many books did you say we have access to in libraries? 12 million. So 12 give million. me one out of 12 million. Uh, let me see. My favourite one the last year, I'll have to go for an Irish author John Boyne, Heart, The Heart's Invisible Furies. You loved Fabulous. it, did you? I loved it. Okay. I would highly recommend it to anyone who hasn't read it. There you have it. it. Amanda Brannigan today Thank you. comes with a big imprimatur <laughs> on that book there. Good luck to you first with the history and that's Great. next week. That's next week. And then from November the 6th to the 17th, it's all about science. science. Go to your local library, support them, get involved. It's a massive resource on our doorstep and it's free. Amanda Brannigan, till the next time. Thank you. Thank you. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors Drogheda, your local Renault selection dealer. With over 250 quality used cars in stock, there's always something for everyone at Blackstone Motors. Check out our used stock online at blackstonemotors.ie. 
Yes, help me to parent. He is the man, professional coach, trainer and facilitator with two decades experience in youth and family development. And he joins us uh, regularly to talk about parenting and he's back with us today. I'm delighted to say hello once more to Alan O'Donoghue. Alan, good to see you again. Good to see you too, Thank Jerry. you very much for joining us. want to start with this one today and I, I think this may resonate with quite a few people out there. My 17-year-old son and my husband have always had a difficult relationship. They're actually so alike. Things came to a head recently when they had a big argument and my son pushed my husband up against the door. He pushed him back and I stepped in before it escalated. They haven't spoken in two weeks and there's tons of tension in the house. What can I do to help both of them repair their relationship and stop this nonsense happening again? Yeah, really, really um, strained and, and, and difficult relationship. It's clear that they have and, you know, I think when you do get two personalities that are very alike in a house, they can clash very easily um, because the things that they don't like about the other person are usually a mirror of what they don't like necessarily about themselves. So it can be very, very difficult. And apart from, you know, locking them in a door, in a bedroom and uh, getting them sorted out between themselves and not let them out, you need to take it seriously because once violence starts in the home, it can escalate very quickly. So what can ha- start off as a, a push up against the door can turn into a punch and then people will, re- will retaliate. And what you don't want to do is where, not necessarily that they're punching the head of each other, but if you're trying to step in between the two of them, that you get hurt or somebody else, maybe younger, gets hurt. So like, violence is never okay in a home. And I think we all say that, but this is an example of violence and it's not okay. So I think it's important that if the two of them can't work together, and it's not necessarily your responsibility, because, you know, your son is almost an adult, your husband is an adult, they need to learn to live together in the same house, or look at something alternative, where, you know, you're asking your son to leave, but I'm sure you don't want that, because he may well be in school, or whatever it might be. So, what I'd say to you is, look at, I suppose, the phases of conflict for anything, Jerry, is there's always a, a triggering event. So uh, something that's going to start off a, a disagreement and then people get into the argument and then they find some sort of resolution until the next time. And it's the same pattern. So most people listening to this will, will hear or see that when there's a disagreement or an argument in the house, it usually follows the same steps. And then people don't talk about it until the next time and the next time and the next time and the next time. But as an adult, your husband can stop that at any point and usually the easiest point to stop that is that before it even starts so look at what are the things that are actually causing the issues between them is it something that's coming up regularly is it the fact that your son does nothing around the house is it the fact that your son and your husband do nothing around the house and it causes friction between the two of them look at what it is and look at trying changing those things so that you're getting rid of those little irritations that build up into an escalation where there's a disagreement that's getting physical the other thing is if that's not working Go and get professional help. Get the two of them to sit down in a room with somebody or the three of you to sit down with a professional who can talk you through the process. And the reason I'm saying that is because when you are, if you're going and talking to your friends about it or your relatives about it, they're emotionally attached to what's going on. So they'll be very, they'll answer and respond to you from an emotional place where it's get in there and slap the heads of the two of them or, you know, do you just pack off and, and leave the two of them to it? And that's not beneficial to you. Whereas if you're working with somebody who is impartial, has no emotional attachment, they can basically hold a mirror up to the to the whole lot of you and say, this is what your behaviour is doing. You're actually doing this. What are you going to do to change it and make a plan of action 
to actually change that in the home. And trust me, like it might seem like a, I haven't got the money for that kind of thing with Christmas coming up, but surely the investment in your family is better because we all know, Jerry, Christmas adds so much strain to families. So things things could get a lot worse and could tip over coming up to Christmas or during Christmas and no one wants that. So buy a few less presents and invest it in somebody professional. It's interesting what you say. Likes, you know, two likes, two like personalities clash. I've heard that before. I've seen it before. And that cycle that it follows, the yeah. same cycle every... It's important to break that, but it's important that this is dealt with quickly, isn't it? Because this allowed to go on and fester, it's not nice. It's not, and I could imagine that this has been building for quite some time. So there probably, there's probably since your son became a teenager, there's probably been friction the whole time because they do disagree. They do, yes. you know, have those things that annoy mm. each other and they just escalate. And that's why when you get to 17, you, you know, your son may be as big, or if not bigger than your husband. So all of a sudden, if you have maybe your husband who was the type of person who would be quite domineering and dominant in his relationship with his son and say don't do that and be physically dominant if the child becomes dominant then it's like you're not big enough now to stand over yes and what you don't want is a top dog fight Mm. No, that would be the the worst possible scenario. If you have a question for Alan, you can put it to him today. 086-1800-658 by text or WhatsApp in confidence. Or you can call in on 1850-715-958. There's a question there. Alan, it's almost midterm and I'm really concerned. My daughter went into four-class primary at the start of the school year and she's been coming home crying every day. We've tried to talk to her to find out what's wrong and she just won't speak about it. This is very unusual because she's been very happy in school up until this. Any suggestions? So I'd go in and speak to the school. I'd go in and speak to our teacher or the principal or the vice principal, whoever you can get a meeting with, to see what have, have they noticed anything in the classroom. Now, with most schools, if they do see something, they will get in touch with you. So there might be something going on that they're not seeing. It may just be that she's tired because what you'll find is a lot of, of children... Um, coming close to the midterm break, they're not as attentive. Everyone's getting a little bit edgy, even the parents, because it's been a long, long term. But if this has been going on from day one that she's coming home and she won't talk about it, maybe it is time to look at. We need to go and talk to the school. If the school haven't noticed anything, again, and I'm not just advocating for, for professionals here, but if your daughter's not willing to talk to you about it, maybe she's afraid. Mm. Maybe she's um, just unable to get the words to describe what's going on for her. So it might be worth going and talking to a professional. Um, now look, I, I've, I'm quite happy for this person to email me and I'll converse with them back and forth via email um, if there's something they wanted to, to, to go into much Let deeper. me put a scenario to you. It could be something small, it could be something insignificant or significant, maybe with other children in the class, but this is something that often crossed my mind. What if there's an issue with a teacher and the child hasn't settled with a teacher? Now, I'm pre- being presumptuous hmm. here, but it's just another angle to this question. Um, are schools receptive to moving a child out of a class? What I'd say is... Schools are very receptive to looking at potential solutions depending on how you approach them. So in some ways, when we see our children being hurt or upset coming home from school, that's very emotional for us because we don't want to see that. We want to protect our children from hurt and sadness. So what we can do is storm in to the school and go, there's something going on with my child and they're not getting any help and you need to do something about it. 
And what happens is the school gets their back up because they're being accused of something that they might know nothing about. So it's important that when we're approaching schools, I would always, always say to people, Jerry, to go in with a we approach. My child is upset. They're, they're coming home upset every day. They say there's an issue with the teacher. What can we all do as a collective to make this situation better for my child, which will make things better for everybody else? And what I've found in my experience is that schools are much more open to having that conversation going, OK, well, let's explore it. And sometimes, Jerry, all it takes is sitting down with the child and the, the teacher and saying, look, neither of you want this. Let's try and work at it. And teachers will be receptive to it because teachers don't want to be seen as bullies intentionally or unintentionally. Yes. Because most of them aren't. Mm. So it's, impor- <laughs> it's important that, yeah. that, that, you know, that they that they're willing to work with it. And if you don't get any luck or any, uh, I suppose, hop out of that with the school, then you need to look at, well, OK, we need to take it further and go to the Board of Management and write to them. But hopefully you won't have to get to that stage and that you'll be able to work with the school. But go with the with the we approach. Mm. What can we all do to make the situation better? Rather than bullying in. It's a worry, isn't it? It's a worry when you have a child like that, like every day, Absolutely. as that message says there. If it's out of the it shouldn't ordinary. be the case. If it's out of, now, the other side of it, Jerry, is that, that in fourth class, they're at that age where they're, they're really starting to become aware of yeah. the world and that they're not the mm. centre of the universe and that there are other people. And that can be quite daunting. And now more and more, our children are hearing more news more um, information about what's happening in the world and that can be quite unsettling as well. So we have to look at what information are our children getting and can they cope with it? So that could be it as well. Our 14-year-old daughter has always been very sporty but last year she stopped the Gaelic football, took up gymnastics and was going great guns but now since a couple of our friends have stopped the gymnastics she's given up as well. We're concerned no physical activity and we can't get through to her. Alan, over to you. It's it's a really common occurrence um, in my experience, and especially with girls um, dropping sports and activities when they hit the the early teenage years. And a lot of it is to do with friends dropping out. Um, personally, I think a lot of it is to do with uh, how society views female sports. So there's a lot more weight and media coverage given to male sports stars. Yet in Ireland, our female sports stars outstrip our male sports stars absolutely completely um, I think the GAA have been unbelievable in retaining um, girls and getting girls involved in football and camogie over the last number of years so there's less of a drop off there but I think it is really important as parents we take a step back and look at what's happening in our country and how does that relate to me as a parent so our country has got a serious obesity crisis if you look around Anywhere in this country, you're going to see people who are overweight. And that's this is not a criticism of anybody over who's overweight, but we have a part to play. People who are, who are overweight are having issues which are affecting the health service, which impacts on our uh, income tax and all that kind of stuff. And we need to improve the health of the nation. So we can all say it's up to governments, it's up to schools, it's up to everybody else. But how can we do it as individuals. Well, we can start by teaching our children about healthy eating eating, and the importance of taking part in physical activity. And this is one of the reasons why. So some people listening to this will probably say, just make or go and do it. But this person is the person who has to live with a, t- a teenager who's crying and whinging and moaning and whatever. So what I'd say is, you can try that and say, no, you're not allowed to give it up. You have to go. 
because if they're com- competing at gymnastics, they're probably very good at it. Mm. So it's important that they that they keep that going. So we encourage them to stay. And, you know, I, I don't know if you want to look at, at incentives, or whatever, but it's, it's important to talk about why, why you're doing this. This is not just about the enjoyment of it and maybe the enjoyment is gone or being with your friends. It's about your health. The other side then is to, if she's adamant she wants to stop, I know with some of my clients in the past, what I've suggested is give them the option. You can stay where you are or you can change, but you have to do something. So you're not stopping everything. So you can pick another sporting activity or physical activity that you can do, but you need to do it for a minimum of three months. So the option is yours. Stop but you have to do something else. And if after the three months they go, no, I don't like this anymore, that's fine. You can stop, but you need to pick something else. So they need to do something. Get they active. have to do something physical. Mm. And I think, you know, some people w- will turn around and say to me, Alan, you know, you can't force kids to do things. We are our children's parents. We, they are our responsibility until they're 18 years of age. It's up to us to teach them about how to live in this world. And if we just let them drop off and stop doing things because they don't want to, and the rest of the world is saying you can't force your kids to do things, blah, 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 blah. What happens is what we're seeing now in universities where children are seriously struggling to deal with the day-to-day setbacks. So we're talking about resilience here. It's one of those things. So give her the option. Give her the option. That's the message from Alan today. Thank you indeed. Let me read this one for you, Alan, here. Hi, I have a 15-year-old who uh, plays uh, football. I think it's football they're talking about there, yes. Maybe basketball. There's both options there. Um, And uh, was with a local team and refusing to play the last few games. They're having a party night because they won and she won't go and won't talk about why she won't go. She says she'll go back next year because one of her friends is moving up to under 16. So it's either basketball or football. It's a sport, let's say. And this girl has been deeply involved. They've been successful. They're having a party night. She's not playing at the moment. Won't go along. And I'm worried she's missing out on all the fun. What does Alan think? That's related to something we're talking about there. Yeah, yeah it's very similar. So it's about trying to find out what is the reasons. And it, we, like we, we can't make it comfortable for our kids to just stop. Mm. So if she's going to stop and giving you no valid reason, do you need to look at a consequence? Yes. You know, like, and this might sound quite punitive, but it's the reality. If we just allow our kids to stop everything... You know, where does it end up? We have yeah. to stop going to school. I'm not going, mm. you know. There's another listener on to us just to say, Alan, uh, Jerry and Alan, another reason may be that girl giving up sport at 14 is her body changing. She's becoming a woman and all that's involved with that as well. Could that be an issue? It it could well be an issue. And, you know, m- neither myself or yourself are experts on growing up and <laughs> being female teenagers. But what I'd say to you is that happens. Mm. It's just a part of life. It doesn't. Does it mean it's okay to just stop? Yeah. Like, you know, if we're talking about things like you know becoming more aware of our bodies, or you know physically having periods and stuff like that, like that's just life. People get on with sports all the time, every year, <laughs> and 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 get on with things and continue to do sports. And I think sometimes we make it too easy for our kids to just stop these things. And it's important that we. Show them the importance of commitment because this is not just about 
them having fun at a sport. Mm. It's about commitment to a team. And that's really important as well because they feel a sense of belonging. Yes. They feel they, they have their friendships with the sports, but they feel part of a team as well as the health benefits. Yes. Okay. And plus they learn that they're good at things. Yeah, so that lady there, you know, talking about, uh, you know, I'd say that girl's about 15, you know, talking about under 16 there as well. There is an issue there. There's something wrong. But really, at the end of the day, you need to get in there and try and sort this out because obviously she loves what she does. And If it's a big issue, Jerry, look at a different team. Like yeah. if she's mm. getting bullied mm. or something like that, well, then look at a different team. Absolutely. If, if that's an option. But don't just let her stop. And the other thing is what can happen is you might say, right, we let her off. So she doesn't have to go to this event, even though she contributed if she doesn't want to. But she's saying, I'll start back. And then when it starts back and she's going, oh, I'm not well or, you know, I don't want to go. That's when you need to nip it in the bud and say, OK, what's actually going on here? You need to be doing something. So what is it you're going to do? So you're mm. either going to go back to this team. We're going to look for a new team or look for a new sport. Yeah. And these are issues that happen in houses uh, all around the northeast and beyond every day of the week that have to be dealt with. You know the one thing that I keep coming back to, and it's a message that runs through everything you talk about to us here. Parents must be parents. Yep. We can be our, our fr- a friend with our kids when they're 18 and no longer our responsibility in brackets. <laughs> <laughs> Alan, I don't think that ever ends. <laughs> That's from personal experience. Anyway, Alan O'Donoghue, who helped me to parent, he also runs uh, parenting courses, positive parenting skills, and you have a couple of uh, yeah, events coming up. we have two parenting, one-day parenting courses coming up in Dublin. Um, they're both taking place on the 10th of November in the Louis Fitzgerald Hotel. Um, there's a small enough cost, but it's, um, a parent, general parenting course for all ages and then we have a parenting after separation or divorce course and that's accepted by the Irish court system so if anyone's interested get in touch with me um, they can get our, you know, my details through, through you and we can get them signed up Alan thank you very much until the next time The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors Drogheda your local Renault selection dealer with over 250 quality used cars in stock there's always something for everyone at Blackstone Motors check out our used stock online at blackstonemotors.ie He's just been telling me that he's fourth generation of the McCluskey family involved in food in this area and he's very special and they're a very special family indeed. Peter McCluskey's with me today and he's developed a wonderful new product. It's called Collar of Gold Rapeseed Oil and it really is different. Peter, you're very welcome to Late Lunch. Thanks very much indeed. Thank you for joining me on the show. Um, those four generations, who did it start with, with the McCluskeys? Well, well, it actually was on my mother's side. Was that My great-grandfather was a, a, a fruit importer and distributor in the North Quay. And then um, my father's side, um, both my father's parents came from Northern Ireland and they came and um, um, my grandmother founded McCluskey's Bakery in the 1930s. And that's now... Uh, been run by my cousin Patrick who's doing yes. a great job with it and yeah. his wife Daphne yeah fantastic so you have a long track record in this business and this is innovative this is new as well now look Peter rapeseed oil has come to the fore in Ireland uh, a number of years ago and there are many people producing rapeseed oil what differentiates Clearly Pure. Okay, well, Clearly Pure doesn't add any of the typical strong smell, taste and colour to food and cooking, even at high temperatures. It's absolutely pure 
and as a consequence it has extraordinary thermal stability so it doesn't break down and give off and that typical kind of strong smell that we get in the in the kitchen uh, when we're roasting potatoes or we're frying a hot steak or even cooking fish um, Colour of Gold allows your quality ingredients themselves to speak through So if I get some fresh fish from Kerwin's or some lovely organic vegetables uh, from out in Ballamakenny Farm and I use this it won't impinge in any way. I'll get the full flavour yeah, of the produce. You go into Kerwin's and you pick up a beautiful piece of fresh fish and you'll pick up a bottle of Collar of Gold in there too and you'll take that home you'll use much less and you will have almost an intimate and exquisite experience with your fish. It will be uncorrupted in any way. Uh, it's, it's meeting your food. The oil doesn't come between you okay. and your food. So what have you done and when did this begin? When did you start out on this journey? I'm almost five years into it now um, and basically I set myself a goal to, to, to basically um, break perceived um, perceptions on food processing technology. Uh, um, at its broadest, uh, um, you could say that the market has heretofore been offered two types of oils. One, collectively, all of the cold press and virgin oils, and the opposite ones would be the raffinates or cheaper cooking oils that we'd be familiar with. The first ones I mentioned are physically extracted only. The second ones I mentioned are chemically extracted mm. and chemically refined. Collar of gold is physically extracted and physically refined. So we have um, used a special cold pressing method which doesn't press the bitter outer shells and we get a much paler, uh, more gentle uh, oil from that and then using a special uh, uh, patented method uh, using only water vapour we remove the typical strong smell, taste and colour resulting in an entirely neutral oil which also hasn't been corrupted and which retains all of its natural lecithins and that means that it makes fantastic emulsifications and what they are is any form of, of mixing so be a salad dressing, a mayonnaise, a cake batter etc uh, all uh, mix far more beautifully and smoothly. One of my um, high profile customers, Eric Matthews, who's the head chef in the Michelin star Chapter 1 restaurant in Dublin, says that he can't make a mayonnaise crack with it. And which is the big problem with making a yeah. mayonnaise, that it separates out. Absolutely. But the versatility of this is amazing because I know what you're talking about there. Oils, if they break down at high temperatures and that are not good, they're not good for us to, to no. consume. This but doesn't do this. No. Well, ultimately it will. It has its ultimate limit smoke point of 220 and you don't want to be going up the middle. No. But nobody cooks it that sort of Absolutely. That's what I'm saying. It's very stable. Mm. So you can roast with it, bake with it, fry with it, make your mayonnaise with it. It's a dressing as well, all those things. Marinades and particularly baked goods where people want to make beautifully luscious baked cakes mm. um, um, don't want to use hydrogenated fats, perhaps don't want to use animal fats either and that's where Colour of Gold comes in. It's been a journey, like five years ago. You've obviously travelled and looked outside of Ireland, have you in this? Yeah, well in terms of learning learning uh, oleoprocessing technology, that involved a lot of travel. I, I initially started in the British Museum and then ended up having to visit the, the, the Czech Republic and, 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 and other European countries. And, and then of course you have a barrier where you're working with published documents in a foreign language and you're having to bridge that. Uh, but yeah, I, I worked my way through it. So when did you arrive with this fi finished product? How long ago has it been bottled and you... Did you do taste trials on it? Did you give it to yes. people? Yeah, to yeah. Um, initially, we, we, uh, we've been getting small quantities made in a laboratory because mm. uh, um, we're not at, at full production at this time. And um, so the first thing was to bring it out to the very top most demanding restaurants and hold it up to the white heat that they could do um, and that's where we first got in getting the fantastic feedback um, since then we've been doing uh, two demonstrations every weekend because we have national listings with Super Value and Dunn Stores and, um, and, and now we're meeting um, people who we met before and converts and people who say I can't get over how clean it is yes 
Yeah. So, uh, receptive by people in the business and others as well and you knew you were onto something really special here I'm just looking at some of the endorsements that you've uh, secured so far and it is early doors as you say with this you know yes, going is. out there Margaret Kyo the head chef in Five Fields very famous place Michelin star in London loves it for frying sauce wise you mentioned the emulsification of it there Kieran Glennon head chef Restaurant Patrick Gibo in, in Dublin, another Michelin star as well. Two stars, actually. Yeah, actually, good point. Thank you for telling me that. I don't want to do, outdo them a star there. Uh, Eric Matthews, the executive head chef at Chapter One. Oh my God, what a place that is there. Another Michelin, loves it for the dressings and salads. And in baking, we're back home here in the Northeast. DKIT, Michael McNamara in the Department of Culinary Arts in DKIT says it is just top class for baking. <laughs> He actually, yes, he tested it across uh, all the different platforms, sauces and baking and pancakes uh, and all of the mm. different ones. Um, and um, and again, uh, my request to him was, you know, put it up to the white heat, make it absolutely... Uh, uh, he couldn't believe its longevity, um, um, multi- multiplicity of, of times of use and the... Um, non-tainting of the simplest flavours. Now, the other thing I have here, and I know he's very proud of it, I asked him to give it to me so as I could look at it and hold <laughs> it because this collar of gold, uh, it has won at Blossom Hair in 2018 the Chef's Choice Award. That must be special to you. That's very uh, uh, special. It was. It's, it's, it's the first proper public recognition that Collar of Gold has got as a... a as, as an important new food product. Uh, Blossom Heron give out a very limited number of chefs' awards every year. They have a large chef's panel who blind uh, uh, taste and test the product without any indications of where it's to go, but they're asked to be very comprehensive with it. And I have met one of the judges afterwards and she said yeah she was really taken that is terrific so where are you with this now in terms of bringing it on stream and producing it in quantities that it'll you know be out to the general public you are stocked already aren't you in number of the multiples widely stocked yes and we're about 200 and something uh, retail outlets across the country so it's in all the large supermarket centres yes and uh, and about 50 done stores as well we actually have promotions on in four done stores this weekend um and um, so where then, uh, um, well, already there's been a very substantial investment made in it and, and in what's been taking place locally. Um, uh, we're, we're, m- much of it, of it is done locally and the rest is, is finished, as I say, in, in a laboratory. OK, mm-hmm. but you can produce plenty of this. Plenty yes. of it, yeah. Um, Ireland, uh, there are only two food staples that aren't made in Ireland. Ireland doesn't make sugar or vegetable oil. So as a consequence, Ireland imports 99-odd percent of the vegetable oil that we consume on this island, uh, about 170,000 tonnes every year, a quarter of a billion euros imported. Um, so Collar of Gold offers a, a, a really good uh, strategic opportunity in Irish food manufacturing, not just in itself, but in Irish food manufacturers who want to offer end-to-end Irish-made products. Heretofore, there was always this big gap in it. Mm. Um, Collar of Gold was recently awarded um, Origin Green status as well which is really very important and that demonstrates uh, Collar of Gold's commitment to working neutrally with the environment and, and managing uh, its carbon footprint. Where do you source your rapeseed from? Um, in the main uh, from uh, from Wicklow and Kildare mainly and that's really on the back of established relationships with, with uh, um, food accredited uh, uh, suppliers. We do have some uh, some locally as well. Um, we have uh, and discussions taking place with farmers for that. Okay, mm-hmm. and and rapeseed is a, a substantial crop now in Ireland. Not nearly what it should be. It was supposed to be the protein crop to replace uh, sugar beet, and and it hasn't achieved that. Um, and uh, Collar of Gold offers a very very significant opportunity for Ireland to increase its rapeseed um, output. 
uh, Colour of Gold then offers an opportunity for Ireland to to make end-to-end Irish products and uh, other uh, uh, vegetable oil products such as um, such as uh, like sauces, dressings, mayonnaise, mm. uh, and also dairy spreads. So, are you saying today, if people are listening from the farming community, are you looking? Are you trying to encourage farmers to grow more rapeseed? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, well, we are. Um, rapeseed has become a very important part of um, Ireland, Ireland and Europe's e- ecology policy uh, as a consequence of the ban of neonicotinoid uh, pesticides. And rapeseed oil is playing a rapeseed crop is playing a very important role in that. Mm. The the the, the com- composition of of the oil itself. You mentioned many of its properties there. What about the omegas and the polyunsaturated fats? Where does it stack up there? Well, it actually saturates stacks up very well on that. Um, uh, people have become more and more aware of the, the various fats and the needs for complex fats. They're also aware that they should be using less and we, we, we use very, should use you know, little fat in our diet. Um, um, so colour of gold, say, if we were to measure it against olive oil, you'd find it would have half the saturated fat. It would have two and a half times the omega-3 and nine times the omega-6. So it offers a far superior nutritional profile as well as a much higher cooking temperature opportunities and greater emulsification as well. Are you looking to take this abroad at some stage? You mentioned that where you are now in Ireland and where it's available. Is this something that you're looking at an export export yeah, market for? Ab- absolutely. It offers a number of opportunities in export. We already have export customers in the United Kingdom, such as the Five Fields and the Lorne. And yes, other, which we mentioned there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but in addition to that... Um, uh, Ireland has excellent people working promoting Irish produce, be it Irish chicken, Irish beef, Irish vegetables overseas. And Collar of Golds offers a perfect complement for these extremely high quality products to be not in any way contaminated or compromised in their cooking. So you see a liaison there between those mainstay products, which you talk about there and what we're renowned for, and Collar of Gold sitting side by side with them. Collar of Gold being, being an important part of their tools and armoury and in promoting those and Collar of Gold also in parallel with our, our own efforts of getting it into uh, fine food shops and, 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 and exclusive restaurants overseas as well. Mm. Your experience and your family's experience obviously has stood you well in this process with, through research, development and now to bring it to market. It all started at the kitchen table quite honestly. Yeah, um, I grew up um, on the Terminal Fracken Road. I'm one of six boys um, and we lived beside the leeches, a mi- mixed produce farm. Um, and I spent much of my summers working there. And what is always bringing home, you know, stuff, whatever, cauliflowers, strawberries, potatoes. Um, and I was always taken by just how fabulous stuff is when it's local and when it's good uh, um, and what's well produced. And my mother, of course, did a, a sterling job of, of feeding us all very well. But I do remember, see... My father was a fishmonger and, and a fruit and vegetable uh, a merchant uh, when I was a childhood. So we always just discussed the food mm. uh, that we were eating and we would say that's compromised or that's coming near the end of its season or be better with a bit more frost and stuff like that. And, uh, and also part of the cooking was, of the discussion was how, how can it be best brought to the table uh, to bring out its very best. Have you patented this new technology yeah. that you have here? Is that yours now? Is that only yours? Nobody uh, else has this. No, nobody else has this. This is this is a, a very special, uh, a gentle technology. Normally, um, I mean, the, the first patents for for for, for treating and, re- and 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 refining is the word of vegetable oils were filed in, in the United States in the beginning of the last century. But effectively, they all involved very substantial amounts of um, unpleasant chemicals, temperature, and temperature duration, and color of gold. Avoids all of those. 
what I'm going to do is, and thank you, you have a few bottles here today. I'll take one of the wee bottles and we, we'll we'll do a, a taste test, if you don't mind, here in LMFM among the, the folk here. And if you do, you will find that um, in a naked test that the three things that you expect to happen when you're taking a small drop of oil don't. One, you expect a smell and taste. You don't get that. Two, you expect an oiliness and greasiness in your mouth because that's what oils do. No, it's actually curiously cool, silky and velvety. And thirdly, you expect it to hang around in your mouth because oils normally hang around in your mouth. No, as you're just figuring it out, it's disappeared and you ask yourself, how could oil disappear in my mouth? And that's back to the retained uh, and undamaged lecithins allowing it to emulsify in the merest movement of moisture in your mouth and apparently disappear. Congratulations on uh, where you are today, on the awards and on the endorsements you've received from some very substantial business uh, people in this area, in the food uh, sphere. Thank you for joining us, Peter, and I'm sure we're going to hear a lot more about Collar of Gold uh, in the immediate and long-term future. Thanks a million. Thank you too. That's a lot on Late Lunch for this Thursday afternoon. Eddie's up next with The Drive. Have a nice evening and we'll see you tomorrow, Friday at half one. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors Drogheda, your local Renault selection dealer. With over 250 quality used cars in stock, there's always something for everyone at Blackstone Motors. Check out our used stock online at blackstonemotors.ie. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.